27, verses 18 to 23. This is the Apostle Paul writing the church of God. He says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find in the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And the Apostle Paul in this passage is speaking of a conflict, of a battle that's waging within him. And he describes this battle as being one that he wants to do what's right, and he wants to do good. He says, to will is present with me, but for some reason I keep failing. And I keep falling, and I keep messing up. And we can look at this, and, we can, and it, it's kind of confusing that he goes back and forth sometimes, but what he's describing is the fact that what he wants to do, he ends up not doing. What he knows he should do, he doesn't. And the things that he knows he shouldn't do, that's what he ends up doing. This is the Apostle Paul. And I can look at that passage, and I can say, you know, I can look at my life and see what that happens to me in life. I know I should have done that. I passed up the opportunity to do good. Well, I know this is something that God wouldn't want me to do, but I do it anyway. And I messed up. What we have to understand is our struggle, our battle against sin is nothing new. The Apostle Paul dealt with it. And he failed time and time again in this struggle. And we will as well, but what the Apostle Paul did was he warred against it. He fought against it. And he struggled. He constantly struggled to pursue right, to pursue holiness. You and I this morning, if we are Christians here this morning, I believe that we have a will to do I believe that if you're here, it's because you want to please God. You want to do good. And if you have that will to do good within you, then that's the start that you need. But if you look within yourself and you also see something else, you see not only the will to do good, but you see a cycle of struggle, the sin, the failure. Then know that you're not alone, but you're fighting the same fight the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago was fighting. James 1, verse 14 and 15 tells us very plainly that every man is tempted when he is drawn away with his own lust and intelligence. Then when lust have conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringing forth death. Within each of us lies a desire, a lust, for the wrong thing. James writes that we are drawn away of our own lust and enticed, and in those situations are we're tempted. So if you can look at your life and say that I'm being tempted in this area, it has to be because you have a lust in that area. Because James says, you to be tempted to drawn away of your own and so, if you recognize that this is an area where I struggle, look within yourself. And say, do I have a lust for this? Whatever it is, this action, this behavior, that I should have. And if it is, then that's a will to do wrong that's competing against the will that we have to do right. The want, the desire to serve God, is now competing against our own want and desire to sin. And that's the struggle that Paul described. I want to do good, but I also have within me the desire to do 
says, Any man is tempted when he is dominated of his own lust and enticed. We've got to learn to control the lust, to control the habits here. Proverbs 4, verse 23, the wise one gives us instruction and says, Keep thy heart, or guard thy heart, with all diligence for conduct of the teachings of God. And so that's the point of the sermon this morning, is that we learn and we look at some scriptures to help us to guard our heart, to strengthen our heart, our mind, so that we can fight this battle and win it before it ever gets into our outward actions. The first thing I'm going to look at this morning, I have three aspects of our mind that I'm going to look at. The first of which is our attitude. You can look at several different aspects and include a long list here, but I'm going to look at three. And the most important that I see are attitudes. We can focus all day long on not committing a sin, on not doing what's wrong with our bodies. And yet within us, we can have a wrong attitude. We can have an attitude that continually makes it hard to make the right choice. I described a little bit about that attitude last night. Really, most most of the time, it's an attitude that we get of pride. The word attitude, we all know what it means, but it's manner, disposition, feeling, position,
lazy. With all the blessings that you have, that you sit back and you comfort, and you don't think about others who may be suffering or having others. But the other characteristics of pride there was ignoring the needs of others. Said that someone didn't have the hand of the poor in the need. Do you fail to use your ability to help others? Do you ignore the plight of those around you that may not be as bad? Do you ever feel or act like you're better than others? Ever have that thought in the first thing you know? It's not like that. It's not like that. Do you ever willingly commit sin? When I say willingly commit sin, I mean do you commit the sin knowing full well the entire time you're doing it? Because that's what pride gets out of you. You know why Sodom flaunted its sin? Because their pride had gotten so big and so bad that they no longer cared about God. And they were willing to openly do whatever they wanted to do to God and support God and strength in Do you have pride this morning? And I don't know you that well to be able to say, You're a pride problem. You don't know me well enough to look at me and say, You're a pride problem. Although, many times, we can see the symptoms of pride, and you can look at that list, but really, each one of us needs to look at ourselves and say, is that me? Do I have an issue with pride? Because if you do, I guarantee you, Satan is using it against you. I guarantee you, he's working through that to cause temptation for you. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, not the Holy Spirit before the fall. Did Sodom fall? And so will all of us who choose that prideful attitude, that arrogance, to think that we know better than God, to think that we can do better than God, to think that we can act however we want, that pride will create a fall every time. And that's what Satan wants. He wants you to have pride. Because if he can create pride within you, he can lead you away with lust to fall to temptation and to sin. What's the antidote to that? It's humility. And humility is what the scriptures calls us to have in regard to our attitude. Philippians 2 5 3 it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not a robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The scripture says, Let this mind be in you, this mind that you see in Jesus, let it be in you. And what did Jesus do? He came down to earth. He was God made man. He came down to earth as God in man's form. And instead of using that status to have pride and arrogance, you can look at Jesus and say, He of all people who live could have been prideful, could have said, I'm God. You know what Jesus did? He came down to earth. 
enjoying the blessings that you've been given, the plenty that you have, and pass that on to others who need it. Give instead of taking. That's the Focused on others, submitting to authority. Jesus didn't have a problem submitting to authority. He asked him, if it's your will, let this cup pass, but when it wasn't, he submitted. If we have a humble attitude, we'll submit to God. When we read in the scripture, when we find out we're doing something wrong, we'll submit. We'll change. We've got to pursue holiness and attitudes to find humility in our, in our, in our minds. Put away the pride of the devil. If we do that, we've won that for that. It is safe to no longer use that against us. Second thing I want to look at this morning is our emotions. Emotions is something that also makes up who we are, and it's a part of who we are. We have different personalities. We have different emotions that we exhibit. We have different emotions that cause us grief sometimes with our struggling and sin. Emotion is a strong agitation of the feelings actuated by experience and love, joy, sorrow, and fear. Except you know what an emotion is. When you feel happiness, or you feel sadness, or you feel anger, that's an emotion. Proverbs 25 and verse 28 really gives us the key to what emotion and the important role that emotion plays in our pursuit of holiness. Because we can look at all the specific emotions and how they can be used against us, but really it all comes down to one thing. And that is, do we have control of Because we'll deal with all of those different emotions at different times in our life. But the important question to ask is, do they control us? What do we control them? Romans 28 says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. To rule over spirit is self control. That's what it means. In other words, he's saying, He that doesn't have self control is like a city that's broken down without walls. I want you to consider a city that's broken down without walls real quick. If you think back to uh, maybe your history and some of the wars or uh, military experience that you may have or anything along those lines, you can think about the fact that if you're trying to take a city, you're trying to overcome a city, and you look and you come before that city with an army, and you look and you say, hey, their walls are broken. There's no defense. The guns are on the ground, walls are broken down, there's nobody there standing guard. How easy is it going to be to take your army in, to overcome the city, to enslave the inhabitants, and do whatever you want to with it? It'll be extremely easy. And the proverb says, that's how easy it is for you to be overcome if you have no self-control. Self-control is your defense. And it's your defense against Satan. If you have control over your emotions, that means when Satan tries to make you angry, and decided to use your anger to cause you to sin, it won't work. Because you can control it. And he tries to cause you immense sorrow, so much sorrow and grief that you get down on yourself and you don't want to see anybody and you don't want to come to church. And that's what Satan tries to use against you. It won't work. Because you can control it. When Satan tries to use happiness against you, you say, happiness is a good emotion. I can happiness causes to sin. I want you to consider how happiness can. If you find happiness and joy in something, and it can be something completely 
to be doing as a Christian because of the happiness that you feel doing it. I can enjoy playing a sport, but if I enjoy that sport so much that I'm skipping church to go play it, there's a problem. I can enjoy going to the movies. I can enjoy going and doing things with friends. But if going and doing that causes me to neglect my Christianity, it's a problem. It's all about control. Can we control our hand? Can we control our status? Can we control our habits? And put everything in the right perspective. Without self-control, we're easy prey for sin. He'll use whatever lusts are within us, whatever emotions are there, Control us, build us lives. So what emotions does he use to you? That's a question that only you can answer. What do you deal with? First Peter 2, 28 to 23. It says, For even here until we be called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, that when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he could not committed himself to him that judged righteously. And I'm going to make another confession to you this morning, and that confession is that of any of the emotions right, that affect me, anger is probably the one that gets me more than anything else. Whether it's justified anger or not, it's that annoyance and that frustration at something that can start to boil me a little bit. And that's what I have to learn to control. Some of those others don't affect me as much, but that does. And I don't know what it is in you, what emotion it is that maybe you have to learn to control. But whatever it is, know that Christ gives you the example of how to do it. When you look at Christ, in that time of suffering, when he was going to give his life, he was beaten, he was ridiculed, he was spat on, a crown of thorns was pounded into his head, he was nailed to a cross. And did Jesus ever once spout an insult? Did he ever once say something mean or rude? Did he ever threaten them? You're going to get what's coming to you. Self-control, 
like a city that's fortified, a city with defenses, a city that is mightier than the one who's trying to overcome. When we apply that control and we want to control our emotions, we keep Satan out. We keep him out of the minds out of our heart. And we don't let him use those things against us. Do you have that control? Are you intimidating the Satan? Because if you approach the city to take it, and its walls were there, and they were 20 feet high, and it was fortified with guns and soldiers and guards, you'd be a little more intimidated about trying to take it. And so Satan will be intimidated by you if you have that kind of control. Our self-controlled life will be difficult for Satan to control us. It be difficult for him to enslave us, difficult for him to cause us to sin. And that's why we must pursue holiness of our Lastly, this, this morning, I'm going to talk about thoughts for this tomorrow. And this is a big one. This is probably the biggest one because no, our attitude can be such a detriment to our struggle for holiness. Our emotions can cause us to fail in our struggle for holiness. One simple thought can send us down a path towards sin. Thank you. 
brought into Christ's obedience. We need to take every thought and say, is this thought a pure thought? If so, I'll let it reside. If it's not, I'm getting rid of it. And I'm not going to dwell on it. And I'm not going to think about it. Because Satan will use your thoughts against you every time. Every time. He'll lead you down the path to sin. I want you to consider this morning. With every thought that you have, and consider this week, as those thoughts may enter your mind, does that thought create a desire within you to sin? Does it's an unholy thought? Does that thought, does perpetuating that thought, or could perpetuating that thought create a desire to sin? Maybe it's an innocent thought at the beginning. Maybe it's something that the more you dwell on it, you realize you know, I really shouldn't be Then it's an unholy thought. Is it a thought that you would refuse to share openly with another Christian? If I'm not going to sit at the dinner table with you and tell you about the thought that I'm having, maybe it's not a good thought. Maybe I shouldn't be thinking. If you feel shame, you feel guilt because of the things that you've thought. And it probably ain't any thoughts. The point this morning is this, folks. Our thoughts so easily can be used against us. Jesus said, Looking after a woman to lust after her is committing adultery with her in your heart. Jesus said the impure thought is just as much a sin as the action. I promise you, Satan wants those impure thoughts. Because he lulls you into a false sense of security when you think, I'm not behaving wrongly, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's all just coming here. And that's exactly where he wants you. Deny Satan's power by focusing on what's by choosing to think on the things that the Scripture asks you to think on. Like Philippians 4, verse 8, that says, Finally, brother, what sort of things are true? What sort of things are honest? What sort of things are just? What sort of things are pure? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are a good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And if you find yourself at work or wherever you are, and you begin to have those thoughts that you know are impure, you know you shouldn't be thinking them, consider is this a praiseworthy worthy thought? Is it a lovely thought? Is it a pure thought? Because that's what I'm asked to think on. And that's how I'm supposed to be using my mind. Replace those impure thoughts with the pure thoughts. And pursue holiness in your mind through controlling your thoughts. This morning, that's really what it's about. It's control. Do you have control over your attitude? Or does Satan control you through your attitude? Do you have control over your emotions, or does Satan control you through your emotions? Do you have control over your thoughts, or does Satan control you through your thoughts? And if he does, then stop the cycle. Because half the battle is ending it up here. If you end it up here, it may never get to where you're even tempted to do it up here. That's what we want pursuit of holiness this morning. As we close, I want you to consider why this is such a problem and such a struggle. And I think it's because of the secret nature of the mind. I really do. I think it's because you can't look into my mind and read it. And you don't know what's going on here. And so, we justify it to ourselves. This is why it's so hard. Because no one else can see. But there are two problems with that. Number one, the statement that no one else can see is an untrue statement. Because though you may not be able to see what's in my mind, God does. 
And you need to know that every moment, every day, every attitude that you have, every emotion that you lose control with, every impure thought that you have, God sees. He knows you have it. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. Those things that we think are hidden, those things that we think are just in our heart, just in our mind, God knows. He'll bring it to life. There's nothing secret and nothing hidden from God, and you need to know that if that's your justification for living a life of sin, whether it's in your body or in your mind, you need to know that's not a justification because God knows. And he sees. And lastly, sin in our heart will lead to sin in our behavior. I told you that if we win the battle up here, it makes the battle out here so much easier. And the opposite is true. If we let Satan run wild with our mind, it's only a matter of time before he runs wild with our bodies, with our actions, and with our decisions. I want you to consider, and I don't know if you can see that clearly this morning, but what these things that we've talked about this morning can lead to. That pride can lead to an attitude of greed of idolatry, of worshiping yourself instead of worshiping the true God. That it can lead to hatred, feeling that you're better than someone else. That it can lead to lasciviousness, or impure living, or even a sin of homosexuality because your pride says, I can do whatever I want. And no one can stop. And if we allow Satan to run wild with pride, it's only a matter of time before we start delving into sins like these. The same is true with emotional self-control. The same is true with impure thoughts. It will lead to behaviors and decisions made to sin. Every time. It may take years. It may take a long time. We keep it all up here. But eventually, it's going to get out. I want you to read our last scripture this morning, Galatians 5, 19-21. And this list that I've put up here, almost all of them you can find within this passage, and passages like, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you think you can continue to sin in your mind, and it's okay because no one else sees it, number one, God knows, but number two, it won't stay in your mind. It won't and eventually you'll begin delving into these sins that the scripture very clearly says those that do such things, who live in that way, won't inherit the kingdom of God. And I want you to know, in case you're wondering, this completely aligns with Hebrews 12 and verse 14 that we read at the beginning, that we've read every night. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see. Our pursuit of holiness this morning and in our life, every day of our life, is so important. Because without holiness, we can't see God. With sin like this in our life, choosing to live that kind of
we can't see God. And so this morning, you have to examine your own life. Whether it's on the outside and actions that you commit, or it's thoughts, emotions, or attitudes that you have in your mind, you have to take control. And you have to say, I'm going to stop the cycle, whatever it takes, because I want to be holy before God, and I want someday to stand before the throne of God and to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to be confident in my eternity. I want you to be confident in your eternity. And I want to see you there. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you need to know that only through Jesus Christ can you find salvation. And this that we've talked about with holiness, this is not intended to place a standard so high that you think, we can't meet this, so there's no reason to even try. Because perfection is not what we have to have. We won't get it. Perfection is what we have to shoot for. If we set a high standard and we shoot for it, we'll come a lot closer than if we set our standard low. And we'll be more of the type of people that God wants us to be. Godly and holy husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters. And I want that for me, and I want that for you. If you haven't become a Christian this morning, please make that choice to dedicate your life to Christ. If you're here and you are a Christian, but maybe you struggle with some of the things that we've mentioned and that we've talked about. One of the blessings that we have as Christians is brothers and sisters around us that can pick us up, lift us up, and help us. And we want to do that for you this morning. If we can help you, we'd ask that you come and sit in the front pew as we stand and sing the invitation song.